0: On the subject of performing in an ensemble, Blur's Damon Albarn once said, By the way, I know that in the past, I've opened this show up with quotes from Aristotle or Shakespeare, but I'm giving up the pretense. I'm not that smart. Next week, I'll be like, on the subject of whether the soul is eternal, David Hasselhoff once said, it feels good to have shed the pseudo-intellectualism That I was going for Okay, on the subject of being in an ensemble Damon Albarn said I enjoy being a part of an ensemble Because I get so much enjoyment Out of really listening to everyone Well, my guests today on the program They listen To everyone And that is why their ensemble Is one of the best we've got I'm Alex Green And this is Stereo Embers the podcast check this out
1: one two one two three hey i went down yonder sometime i'm living with the law sometime bound for glory sometime we're gonna see it all sometime just get on board. sometime i'm gonna fill my sack sometime i tell my honey come back Sometime, I'm gonna rap that track. Sometime, no time Wasting, sometime, now come and get your fill Sometime, no time Wasting, sometime, now come and get your fill Sometime, we're down your list. Sometime, we're gonna drag that saw Sometimes, go to care Sometimes, now don't you hear me huh? Sometimes, just get on board Sometimes, I'm gonna build that stack Sometimes, I tell my honey come back Sometimes, I'm gonna wrap that jack Sometimes, no time wasting Sometimes, I come and get your fill Sometimes, no time wasting Sometimes, I come and get your fill Sometimes, no time wasting Sometimes, I come and get your fill Sometime, no Sometimes, no time wasting. Sometimes I come and get your fill. Sometimes try your patience. Sometimes, but don't you just sit still? Sometimes, no more waiting. Sometimes you gotta climb that hill. Sometimes changes making. Sometimes you gotta pay that bill. Sometimes, no time wasting. Sometimes.
0: That's some pretty rousing work, my god. Featuring Larkin Poe, that is the music of New Deco Ensemble, a band which features my guest today on the program, Yakumo Byros and Sam Hyken. Let me tell you a little bit about New Deco Ensemble. Formed in Miami in 2015, New Deco Ensemble have completely reimagined what a modern orchestra can do. Putting it simply, Sam and Giacomo are two of the most respected and in-demand artists in classical music. With New Deco Ensemble, they've come together and created an innovative, artistic collective that incorporates dance, mixed media, classical, hip-hop, blues, and, well, pretty much everything else into its creative cauldron. And what a cauldron it is, bubbling with innovation, nerve, craftsmanship, diversity, equity, equality, and life. New Deco Ensemble is an astonishing fusion of culture and music that results in one of the most transfixing and inspiring experiences you're likely to have in the arts. Or anywhere. The ensemble has collaborated with Macy Gray, Stephen Marley, Jacob Collier, Kimbra, and Ben Folds. And they're not stopping there. Their album with Larkin Poe is called "Paint the Roses Live in Concert," but that's not even scratching the surface of what these guys do. You know what? I'll let them explain because they can do it far better than I can. So here's me and Sam and Yakimo of New Deco Ensemble having a chat right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast.
2: I think with everything that happened with the pandemic and Zoom, it actually tightened us up as an organization, having team meetings, being able to connect and all that kind of stuff. I mean, as an ensemble, when we start performing, it's essential to be together. But I think, you know, I'm, I'm sure Sam can speak to it as well. We we actually got really tight and really organized and efficient when when Zoom kind of became the way to go. And, and it actually allowed us to be even closer and kind of, um, you know, deal with things in real time and you know, cut out a lot of the travel time, stuff like that. So it actually really helped. So, and I was even in Portugal last Christmas and in the summertime and I just jump on Zoom meetings from Lisbon, you know, and just, you just, you just do what you got to do, you know.
0: Sam, you felt that way too, that it
3: actually coalesced? For sure. Um, I think that, you know, especially when, when COVID first hit, all we our whole intention was just to keep moving forward at all costs. I mean, that was just really our MO throughout all of this. And we did get much more organized in terms of, um, you know, face-to-face meetings, staff meetings, which we hadn't really been that regular about up until that point. But just, you know, having that time and that intentionality did did make that happen. The only thing I will say kind of in contrary to that was that when we had our first in-person team meeting after the summer, the energy in the room was just incredible. You know, in terms of just having a meeting and <laughs> and the you know how organic that meeting felt. Um, but but Giacomo's right. you know, just we really ended up taking our organization to a whole nother level throughout this time period.
0: so the the vision of and the vision and the mission tightened up. Did it also expand? Did it also did the did the sort of the pandemic also make you more on the nose in terms of what you wanted to do? I think it definitely did focus
3: us um, in terms of the intentionality of not just the, the concerts we play, but also, um, you know, the investment in the, the the long tail of the concert. And, you know, now that we're releasing so much more content than ever before. Um, you know, we just released an album with Larkin Poe, which was one of the concerts that we put on during the pandemic. And, um, you know, we had learned so much about um you know all of the concerts that we did were outside but we were able to capture them in such a high quality manner i mean we've been we've been multi-track hd recording and cinematically filming everything from the beginning but the fact that we didn't have a live audience and anyone who was there was on headphones we didn't have a pa and the level of quality that we got it's actually made us even rethink you know our our whole our whole um presentation you know in that venue um I mean, I'm just kind of speaking to that one element, but you know, that really just, you know, it it just, I would say it would in terms of the overall um, you know, not just the moment of the concert itself, but everything that comes after it. And even even in the concerts, like more storytelling, putting like the the behind the scenes um moments that we started capturing during the pandemic, that's now gonna be more of a part of what we do. So I would say, you know, it didn't really expand our mission, but it helped us you know, become a lot more intentional about our programming and, um, you know, how we're capturing and the the after of everything that we do.
0: Yeah. And, Jakim, almost like it made it more organic. Like it almost seems like it, it sort of like centered it even more and made it more of an organic process.
2: Definitely. I think, you know, once you got adjusted to the whole scenario of like, who talks when and like you know dealing with the whole zoom nature and we're a small team we're four or five sometimes six people just depending on how many people are involved in the conversation but the, the staff itself is like four or five people and you know i think the ability to connect in real time have discussions allowed us to do a lot of the homework that we could do on our own so that when we did come back together live we were just really ready to go i mean most teams have production meetings and pre-production meetings and we were able to just do those really easily and simply and so i think it did hone in our our skill set on preparing for things but also at the same time it just allowed us a lot of time to reflect and and you know during that pandemic time we made big decisions that benefited the organization uh, that really helped us move the needle um everything from our digital releases our video content the the concerts and catalogs of music we wanted to finally release that just kind of holistically looking at the whole big picture of who we are what we want to be our education outreach components the youth ensemble you know everything that we had dreamed and wanted to do and really expand upon and really nurture it gave us all that time and and, and reflection and um you know just space to think and dream and understand what it was we want you know and that was a sort of big picture thought but at the same time we were like raring to go to get some sort of music. Performance is going, and and Larkin Poe was part of that initial season coming back that we did um, live at the Van Shell for for the whole year.
0: How does a, a collaboration like with Larkin Poe? How did that actually happen? Like, how did you guys hook up? Well, Larkin Poe, um,
3: we're part of a management firm called Red Light Management. Uh, it was started by Corn Capshaw, who. Um, uh man dave matthews and uh you know so so we tend to always go through those lists and there tends to be a lot of amazing artists on that roster Larkapo happens to be on that roster um and um were brought to us by our manager and you know we both we never actually collaborated with a uh roots rock duo or even done like a real like rock act this was the first one and we weren't like you know fully it, it, it wasn't the aesthetic we we generally tour we generally lead to but um You know, we ended up booking them for the season. We uh, got on the phone with them, had a really great initial conversation where we talked about set list and, you know, the idea of, you know, what the collaboration would look like. Uh, And then, you know, I got off to the races arranging. They came to us on a Friday. We had a rehearsal Friday night, a rehearsal Saturday morning, and we did the show
0: Saturday night and that's what you hear on the record. And like, sonically, right, it was totally new territory for you guys did it make you kind of excited about like, wait, this, there's more possibilities for us now, now that this worked.
2: hundred percent. And I'll have to say that I was skeptical at the beginning. I like to call myself an open-minded skeptic, you know, like I, I want to be, <laughs> <laughs> I want, I want to be open-minded to new ideas. And and Sam is always pushing me in one direction. We push each other in directions, right? Like we always, he's tagging me on certain artists and certain things. I tag him on other things and we always kind of find a consensus. And that's how we, we program in general, but this one, you know, it came to, It came to us for a lot of reasons, of course, like as as Sam mentioned with Red Light and they were Grammy nominated, et cetera. Of course, we knew they were high level artists, but like I definitely was skeptical about the blues rock aspect of it. Because, you know, one thing I am not a fan of is just a loud concert to be loud. The orchestra is a nuanced, beautiful machine that can play the softest of dynamics that can do such different. Our good friend Aaron. Park's called the Technicolor, you know, like really can like make music go into full Technicolor, full bloom. It's like a kaleidoscope of colors and palettes and sounds and transparency and dynamics. It's like a very amazing, you know, we always say it's the ultimate vehicle for artistic expression because there's no ceilings, walls or boundaries. However, blues rock is very like it's a thing and it's and it's heavy and it's loud. And I was just like, eh. but, you know, the girls, Rebecca and Megan there, first of all, they were so well versed in classical styles from their childhood. They grew up playing violins and grew up in the Suzuki method and they're just generally incredible artists. Um, just overall, they they can read, they understand nuance, they understand form, they understand structure, they understand the instruments. So it was just kind of a perfect storm of having that be the first, if that's going to be a, a, a blues rock duo, I'm so grateful they were first because it did show us ultimately that they can or we can, as an ensemble, even adapt to that style, which was not something I was 100% certain about. So, you know, we are grateful for them. We definitely look for more artists like that this coming year, this coming season, and and seasons now down the road, we're, we're definitely wanting to incorporate that audience because we did find a new audience through them as well. I mean, their audience is incredible. Their audience is like you know, super passionate, super engaged. Yeah. I mean hardcore. Like wow. Like very impressive their engagement and, and and how authentic it is and how real it is and how vibrant it is. Um it has to do with many factors, of course, but I think their authenticity is is the key. However you know then we got introduced to those audiences and those audiences really supported us and really came to find us and and I think that's been part of the success of New Deco lately is that you know audiences are finding us through these artists like Kishibashi for example his song I am the Antichrist was just uh, featured on the show Rick and Morty which has a huge cult following and all of a sudden the video that we had online that had 10 15,000 views on it jumped to like 500,000 or whatever mm. it's at now 400,000 like within a month or two so I think it's just a beautiful thing that you know if you if you think of the orchestra as this ultimate diplomatic United Nations thing right this humanity has created this like musical organism that like encompasses all these instruments I think if Mozart and Bach and Beethoven were alive today and they knew that they had a Rhodes or a synthesizer or a drum set or electric guitar that they could infuse into the orchestra and create a new piece of work I think they would do it. They were innovators and 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 pushers of art in their day. I mean, I mean, Beethoven was key in redefining what the piano is today. When he started his career, the piano was like called the piano forte. It had like two dynamics and it was really weird. He added cymbals and drums and all kinds of things to pianos. He had this Turkish piano, it was crazy. But ultimately during his lifetime, the piano came into what it is today. So I just think like, we just wanna be that accelerator for that and, and working with Larkin Poe, showed us that we could live in that world and that in that sound world. And there's some beautiful, quiet, soft, tender moments in the in the whole collaboration that you'll hear on the album that we're we're very excited that is is now being able to be shared.
3: Well, I was just going to say, you know, just to piggyback off Giacomo's point,
2: um, you know, we do view
3: the orchestra as this ultimate place for, for for connection, you know, amongst the artists that we bring in and our audiences too. Um, we've seen some real miracles in terms of the kinds of audiences that, that we've brought in and just the diversity amongst our audiences and the diversity amongst our musicians and collaborators. We just look at this orchestra as this place. And, you know, it's just so wonderful that, you know, we are able to pick up these different fan bases that are completely different. So, you know, we have Larkin Poe this past Friday, and then uh this coming friday um we have an album coming out with luke james which is a completely different fan base and uh and you know but like giacomo mentioned they're they're all these different fan bases are finding out about us and our music making through this vehicle of the orchestra and you know that's why we say that we are redefining what the orchestra is and can be for the 21st century
0: yeah and the message gets sent through different mediums right through different different genres and um to tap into bases that who who never heard of you before, and can kind of go like, "Oh, wow! Like this is actually really cool." Um, is something is a great opportunity.
2: Yeah, and I think it it gives us the platform to share other pieces of music. You know, um, you know, on that concert with Larkin Poe, we we did live stream the concert, and people bought tickets to come. It was actually one of our highest selling online ticket concerts of the whole season. Again, because I think their following is so huge. But we performed music by living composers on that concert. That I'm guarantee you, a lot of their audience would not normally hear. We did music, new music, and commissioned music from Pascal LeBouff, who's just an amazing composer. We also performed one of our contemporary artist musical suites by Led Zeppelin, which was really a lot of fun. I mean, and so we always talk about this access point, you know, and one of the first stories we would tell when we first started was that, um, you know, on our very first concert, we put reimaginings of, of Daft Punk on the concert, but we also had music of living American composers on that concert as well. And we also had a guest artist, a local guest artist in town that was really cool called Afro Beta. So Afro Beta fans came and were like, an orchestra can sound like this? People who saw the headlines of Daft Punk wanted to hear what Daft Punk sounded like with orchestra and were like, wow, that was really cool. New music heads, people were like from the universities who wanted to know what like these new composers sound like, he came. And then the conversations after were like, you know, someone who came for the new music part was like, wow, that Daft Punk sounded so cool. Or someone who came to hear what this orchestra was doing. Like, I mean, Sam always tells the story of his grandmother came to the concert and she's like, was so impressed by Daft Punk, but that's not why she came to the concert. I mean, she probably came to support Sam, enough, of course, but you know what I mean? <laughs> like people, people were getting different things from the concert. So the exposure they were receiving from hearing us perform just widened their musical palette, hopefully opened up their minds a little bit gave them a transformative experience that was enriching, but at the same time allowed them to see who we are in a different light. I have stories I, I even, you know, my girlfriend today tells me she came to Kishibashi the first time. She had no idea what New Decca was. And she loved her friend brought her to Kishibashi because they were Kishibashi fans, but then she fell in love with the orchestra and it's been coming ever since, you know? So it's it's there's just there's just these like really interesting stories and moments that we find where people come and discover who we are through ways that, you know, maybe we didn't intentionally think about, but then they stay on with us because they realize that the quality is there, the dynamicism is there, and why not like stick it out with these guys and see what else they have to produce. And I think there's this intrinsic like, What's going to be next kind of thing. What are they going to do next? That was something that was always kind of like a big thing in our early starting. Was like, Ooh, what's going to happen next. And actually I remember Sam and I had like little mini freakouts on our own about what is next after year two. Like, what do we do now? Like, uh. but as long as we just kept the quality going and always, you know, always really talk about what it is we want to do and achieve and what the mission is and what kind of music we perform. Even this season, we've had debates, 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 debates about guest artists, about music, about what piece? What last little piece? We, we, we're we f- constantly fine-tuning the program or we're constantly trying to tweak everything to take everybody on a, on a journey and a narrative. And I think that sort of dialogue that we get to have and that push and pull we go with each other and, and that includes other people, of course, but it's mainly he and I, allows us to, to really find the sweet spot on every show. And, and I think I feel really comfortable that we have that dynamic and it allows us to really create these These places where people can come and find access to other things that maybe they didn't expect.
0: And also isn't there in the not knowing isn't that also kind of uh it's unnerving but it's also kind of exciting because you kind of go like well there's so many possibilities so the not knowing um is is probably as energizing as 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 knowing.
2: Yeah yeah and like I think even to take that a step further the not knowing becomes knowing not knowing, because people who know they're gonna come in and get uh, a quality experience, they're not gonna know if that specific guest artist is gonna be what it could be with us or not. And I mean, we've had people come here who are like genius major, like they can read music, they can hear, like we've had Jacob Collier, right? This guy's like rewriting what music is and rewriting music theory. And this guy can write 10 symphonies backward. I mean, I always joke that I think he's Mozart reborn, you know, like the guy is just a genius. But then we also had guest artists who couldn't read a lick of music, had no idea how to read a, a note. A guest artist come in and they still did a great job and it was an exceptional performance and their artistry was able to shine and, and be elevated by working with the orchestra. So, you know, you have the whole gamut and that's what we hope to be is this place where anyone can come and bring their artistry and bring their, their level of artistry, but, you know, fit into what the orchestra can provide.
0: And Jacob, I don't I don't even think he's 30 yet, right? He's, he's still... Isn't he still like, I don't even think he's 25. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's so young and he's when when you come up with someone like that when you when you when you stand next to a guy like that, do you just go like oh this just feels like like something supernatural.
2: Yes. 100%. I think we each have our own stories about him. I'll I'll tell you mine real quick when when he showed up to the concert hall and I know we're talking about Larkin Poe and everything but like he He was playing every instrument you could find, right? He'd pick up a bass, he'd pick up a piano. He had this, he had that. And we were doing a song where we were all kind of singing. He had his bass and he was just kind of plucking along. But he was also, I think he wrote it on the plane. He was like bragging that he wrote it on the plane on the way out, (laughs) or at least orchestrated it on the plane or something. And he was just kind of checking over his notes over my shoulder as I was conducting the singing part of it. And he's playing the bass and he started singing along with it. But because it was a small space, and he was looking at the score over my shoulder, he was literally singing in my ear. Like he was like four inches from my ear, singing. like, and it was the most perfect, beautiful, amazing thing I've ever heard sonically that close to my. I was like, I cannot believe I'm getting like this like solo recital on this one piece, and it was rehearsed. It was like, to this day, I'll never forget the 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 softness of his voice, the way he sang. It was like it couldn't be more perfect how he was singing. I was just like, <laughs> this ridiculous <laughs> it was so amazing
0: <laughs> sam what, what was your experience with jacob he, he's unbelievable i guess
3: the best the the best quickest story that i could tell was um and actually robert glasper when i was with him we were telling i was telling him this story that he couldn't believe it which was we were we were all sitting out it was after our show and we were all like i think just having a, a drink or dinner it was like the next day and and like something was playing and, and jacob was like what tempo do you think this is and you and, and I was like you know 130 and so we started had this kind of conversation about like perfect pitch and perfect pitch because i i'm i have perfect pitch and so does jacob obviously and the way that i learned when we started talking was like you have an emotional connection to a note and you're able to kind of memorize this anyway so i asked him you know you think anybody could do the same thing with tempo and he pulled out his iphone and he had a list of every single tempo with a piece right next to it so it's like 110 109 108 107 it's a whole list of- and he and he basically has perfect tick too. So I mean, just extraordinary, and also just like one of the most positive and socially intelligent. You know, in addition to just being musically gifted, he's so like he gets, makes everybody feel that they're special and important. Gives everybody time of day. Looks everyone right in the eye. Just like a remarkable human being.
0: Yeah, and I, I know what you mean about the whole Mozart reborn. It's sort of like how is a person like that existing on this planet? I mean, it's it. He is kind of otherworldly. I think if music is like a
3: source, like like you and he's like directly plugged in you know that's like that i look at it it's just like it's like bursting yeah. out of him
0: i always think about that where i think there are some people who do um plug right in and some people stay plugged into the end and some people don't get access anymore it's interesting to see how um some people can get a little bit lost sometimes and not and lose that connection he he's not one of them i think that's gonna happen too <laughs> yeah. i'm just glad that we got to work with him when we did <laughs> Yeah,
3: I think our timing was very good.
0: <laughs> yeah, was he a little intimidating um, just to be around? That so talented. And
3: he's just he's just the nicest human. It's hard to be, you know. I mean, yes, it's like I I like you know as a writer, I think that it's you know it is a little bit unnerving, you know, knowing you know keep keeping up with a musical brain like that. But I, you know, he's just such an extraordinary human that it doesn't really matter.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I'm a tennis player, and I was found in college when I was on the court with people who were better than me. I played better and I did things I didn't know yeah. I could do. Um, when you see so you, like, your game gets upped organically, did you find, and do you find that when you're with musicians that are so just staggeringly amazing and everybody's incredible, but do you find that you, your game ups too? Giacomo, does that, is that something you've found?
2: Oh yeah. hundred percent. I mean, Jacob was a classic example. Uh, actually our, our collaboration with Aaron parks, the jazz sensation genius composer was, was, another top of mind collaboration that elevated us all and is interesting certain artists elevate us in certain ways i think kishi bashi when he first came elevated the entire ensemble to really believe in itself to really know hey you guys do have something special i'm here to like incorporate you into what i'm doing and i think this collaboration is going to elevate you all and i remember sam and i sitting in the back of the hall at one point because he did a tune by himself without conductor and we just looked at each other and like, this is it. We're, we're finding ourselves. This is who we are. This this is, this was the moment. You know, Aaron Parks, I think he elevated our rhythm section because our rhythm section guys, the drummer and keyboard and guitars, they all respected him like tremendously, kind of knew him peripherally. One of them studied with him at one point, but like, you know, he was their recommendation um, uh, to, uh, to Sam and I. And, um, you know, at the same time, like when he sat down and started playing, you could just feel they all raised up. Uh, Jacob was the same way. So I think, you know, the Robert Glasper, another one, like we only got to have one rehearsal with him before we got locked down and we're gonna have him again this year, uh, I think was just someone who, because they command so much respect as an artist, like we just automatically sit up in our chair a little bit differently. Yeah. But the reality is they, you know, they elevated our game. I used to have an old tuba teacher, I played the tuba, he used to say, you hang around shit, you smell like shit, you know? Like you just, you're gonna not do well if you don't have like, the great people around you, and I think it's it's a testament to these guest artists that keep continuing to help elevate us time.
1: I know what time is, time and thief. It'll steal into bed and rob you while you sleep, and you'll never feel it. It pulls off the covers. Rifles through your head, and then you wake to find you can't remember what you just said. It happens to everyone. Just like the father of my father, time sold his mind, and I can't forget that one fourth of his blood is mine. I try.
0: notice that there's a, um, an all, a way too heavy of an emphasis with kids on sports. Um, sports are, of course, like I grew up playing sports, I mean, sports are very important, but there's less of an emphasis on the arts. Um, like, for example, people live and die to have their kids play, play high school football or play uh, pop horn or Little League, but nobody has that same uh, intensity for uh, picking up the guitar, having their kid sit behind the piano. Um, do you find that you're you've been able to reach a lot of kids? And do you find that that um that's been that you've found people who wouldn't normally have gravitated to music are suddenly having their minds blown open by like, oh, I can pick up an instrument and play? Um and what, what's your that's a big question, and I and I I threw a big one at you, but I'm just curious what your take is on youth culture and picking up music and having it be something that's important and vital in someone's life because i think it really is
3: um yes look i think well this is you know the, the first thing and it kind of ties back to the point about you know our audience and what Giacomo was saying about um you know being this access point you know initially when we started new deco there was definitely like a thought for us about bringing young people into orchestral or classical or however you want to say it music and that was part of the reason why we program music like daft punk and radiohead and you know what we found was that we were actually this access point for older people <laughs> to to experience like outcast and daft punk that never you know had that access point having said that um you know for for youth you know it education and outreach has always been a critical component for new deco from day one i mean we had you know we brought in the school to our like pilot concert to to do a side-by-side with like right off the bat um, i think that you know we've we've had a lot of success in terms of um bringing in you know our education concerts and and having um you know kids get really excited about the music we play and that's really expanded into like our very own youth orchestra and um what we have found you know for for people like myself who grew up and it you know did have different creative ideas you know wanted to kind of create my own music but was just very singularly focused on playing the trumpet growing up you're not having that creative opportunity. Like we really wanted to create that space um, uh, for the classical kids to meet the jazz and rock kids. So we've created our own youth orchestra um, called New Deco NXT, which does that. It's it's a young version of New Deco Ensemble. It's like our New Deco Junior, um, that that is a hybrid orchestra. It does all of our repertoire focuses on twenty first century performances, um, musical creation, but also has both a wellness and a leadership component as well. So you know we think it, you know it is a big question because we you know it is so important to us and um, you know our, our edu- now it's like we really think of Miami as. Being part of that musical educational in- ecosystem, not just in terms of being that source of inspiration, because you know we find that young people are attracted to many different kinds of music, but also now being a source for um, you know people to uh, be able to not only create music but play different
2: kinds of music they don't normally get to play. I'm sure Giacomo has a lot to say on this as well. No, I, I, you've kind of in a nutshell described the Youth Orchestra really wonderfully. Uh... However, to speak back to the point of like, you know, sports and education and music, you know, back in my generation, I mean, I'm, I, you mentioned you started this podcast when you were 45, I'm 45 now. And when I was in school, I was in baseball. I had uh, a jazz band at my middle school. There was a string orchestra. There was like two or three bands. There was a very well-rounded education that was put in front of me and People gravitate toward certain things. Kids would gravitate to shop class, and that would be the engineers and the builders and this, and then people would graduate to football and and baseball, that maybe they were more athletic or athletic inclined, and people gravitated to the jazz band, people gravitated to the dance corps, people gravitated to the concert band. You know, but when you give a kid all the tools, you can give a kid all the you can give them like a toolbox and they can go in and pick the tools they want to play with. And and that's not happening anymore. And that's, that's, that's very discouraging. And I think it's uh, a, a sad state of affairs overall education wise with this country that public schools no longer provide that sort of well-rounded diverse opportunity to test the waters and see what you like. You just kind of like assume that you're going to have to do this and do that. And kids just don't, I remember even like going into sixth grade band. My mom asked me the summer before they're like, they want to know what instrument you want to play. I'm like, I don't know. I've never really even seen an instrument, you know, like, and I remember getting there the first day of band and seeing the trumpets and seeing the drums and seeing the saxophones and seeing, clarinets and then all of a sudden this big shiny tuba walked out of the band room this big guy's this tuba I was like wow look at that thing look how cool that thing looks i want to play that and i just like kind of pointed at it rambling and the teacher's like okay tuba i'm like but uh i didn't even have time to think about it so the point is is like i was also being groomed to be a pitcher and i was playing second base in, in middle school and i was talking about like maybe doing like a, a high school baseball high school you know like so but of course my heart went toward music and I fell in love with it. And then I wanted to be in this band and I'll audition for that band. And then I ultimately went away for school. So it's like, I was so lucky and fortunate that I had a middle school that had that kids don't have that these days, you know? And so if we can be ubiquitous enough to where we get online enough and kids see us enough, or if we're like really strengthening our ties in the community here in Miami, where kids know it's an option for them to come perform play and be a part of what we're doing. And that's really all we can do because we can't change the way the system is right now. We can't change how education works in the public sphere. It's certainly gone to this place of testing, 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 and and we even find kids like who can't come to shows because their teachers are saying, well, they have this test. And I'm like, we're talking about third, fourth, fifth graders who can't come to a concert because they're worried about like some. some it's like, it's frustrating. If, if you can't tell already, like coming through, it. it's frustrating. But I think you know, because there's a lack of diversity of that kind of arts education in the public sphere these days, all the more reason to do what we're doing, which is, is, you know, really try to bring all these different styles and genres to a place where kids can kind of see for themselves, test the water, see what they like, you know, and they're very influenced now by social media and pressure. There's so many more pressures on kids than there were when my day, but I think, you know, we're doing our part to the best we can to to provide that sort of enrichment for them.
0: Sam, your thoughts on that?
3: All I was going to say is just, you know, in strengthening the musical ecosystem the best that we can and collaborating with great organizations here and just trying to usher, you know, kids to the programs that if if schools can't provide it. And luckily, you know, Miami, um, it's really there's so much um, support for the arts here. I think it's like Top three of in, in counties that supports arts education. Now you know you can't force the schools to have a music teacher, but you know where a lot of that support ends up going in is you know a lot of these not for profits who are supplementing supplementing. And so I guess the best we can do, you know, in addition to helping kind of uh, boost the demand for it, is just to you know work with great partners and, and help strengthen their program as well.
0: Yeah, and I think that I think that kids need a creative outlet. I mean, I know that I know like a physical outlet um like a sport is is of course that's really important but the brain the way it engages with um creativity and the way that it it sort of um challenges a young mind and makes a young mind think uh, in a totally different way than throwing a ball um not minimizing that at all um it, it's so vital but yet I know funding is does not allow there to be um, it doesn't really foster that kind of thing. So I think what you guys are doing, um, it, I mean, it's not on your shoulders, obviously, but um, I think it's such a vital, vital message to be sending to kids. And I remember I was hearing the story about CeeLo Green, where he evidently he was quite a misspent youth. And um, they asked him, like, why were you doing all those horrible things as a as a teenager? And he said, because I was an artist who didn't have an outlet. And then once I got into Mm. music, then I stopped doing bad shit and I started behaving totally differently and I started getting really creative and I became a totally different person. And I think that it really can um, turn a kid's life around. I know that sounds a little idealistic, but I I believe it. I truly believe it.
2: If we're not idealists, what are we? You know, like one of my favorite teachers of all time, conductor, famous conductor, used to say, I'm an idealist. Why would I be any other way? You know, like that's (laughs) what you just got to be that way. And yeah, that's cool.
0: Yeah. It also makes me think like, Sam, you, know, you have a, you have a, a three-year-old, right. Does it also make you think about like, how do you, how do you raise kids and how do you get them excited about music? Because you can't, you can't, obviously you can't force them to do it, but I mean, right. how do you generate that organic excitement? I think just putting,
3: um, just exposing to them as, that's what we do is just expose them to as much music as possible. You know, no, you know, obviously we're very cognizant of not, you know, pressuring to become a musician, but but obviously, you know, music has brought both my wife's a musician as well, and it's brought us just immense joy. And, and we would want, you know, to our our child to experience that joy. And, you know, fortunately, you know, he's he's dived in headfirst. Um, I think uh he calls Giacomo his best friend and I think he wants to study conducting with him already. So
0: <laughs>
3: you know <laughs>
0: <Good>. <laughs> um Terms, oh, yeah. I had um, I had ensemble uh, Nick Nawoj on the show uh, a couple of months ago, where they sort of fused this idea of like classical music with hip hop. Um, I don't know if you guys know mm-hmm. who they are. Um, they're What's, a, the uh, ensemble, What's the name again? Uh, ensemble Nick Nawoj. They're a um, they're a Bay Area outfit. Uh, so it's M I K, and then the next word is N A W O O J, um, and it's sort of like they have that they've come up with their own system of integrating hip hop with orchestral. Stuff and it's, it's, they're incredibly cool. Um, and they've cultivated a really nice following. Um, have you thought about how hip hop would fit in with all this? Is that, is that sort of, or have you already done that, or is that something you're thinking about?
1: (laughs) Give it (laughs) to them, give it to them.
3: We've done quite, quite, uh, our fair share of hip hop. It's definitely a, a genre that, you know. It's we we definitely lead towards that hip hop R and B aesthetic a lot both Giacomo and myself and I think we bonded over that music kind of always since we've even known each other but you know we've done suites of Dr Dre Outkast Pharrell we've collaborated um, with Cuban rapper Deni Suarez we had Wyclef John um, you know it's it's hip hop is definitely not something that we shy away from and 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 even even SEMA funk um, you know there's a you know kind of a hip hop element. Within you know his kind of Afro-Cuban funky style, so it's 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 something that we love to take take head on for
0: sure. When you guys hear music, just this is a weird question, but when you just hear something in passing, is your is your ear always sort of tuned to sort of think like how can how can that apply to what we're doing, or can you listen to music as as a fan? Can you compartmentalize and just and just take it in? um not critically not uh not professionally just enjoying it organically are you always sort of thinking like how might that apply to what we do well it's a good question um i would like to say that i can be
3: a passive listener but it it can be tough sometimes because we're always um we're always looking always looking for newest music you know music that inspires us sweets new you know and and jack Moore, and I, i mean he sent me an artist last night that was incredible um you know we're just always looking so it is it's kind of hard to 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 disassociate I would say I think probably it's easier for me to passive listen when it's real like evergreen stuff that we listen to all the time and it just can just be more just like a vibe as opposed to just wow this would be an amazing collaboration even though we probably do think that at the same time you know talking about
2: (laughs) yeah I agree it's very hard to turn it off I mean we're classical musician trained people and so even when i listen to a symphony i automatically go oh here's the uh you know it's not a form okay here's the introduction here's the second theme okay now we're in the development like it's hard for me to like crank that off i do say i will say that when i go hear a live orchestra and it's been a minute perform i get so excited i turn into like a little kid you know or, like when i went a couple years ago and spent some time in berlin i was going to the Berlin Philharmonic every other day i was like a little kid listening to music i knew very, very well. And because I was a conductor, I was able to watch some rehearsals and I was just like, ah, it's just like dreamy, you know? And so that, that, that I can kind of escape some, sometimes from a live concert, like when you're there with friends and the energy of the crowd, but honestly, just at home with my regular listening, it's very, very very hard to just listen without getting critical or how would it work with the ensemble. And in fact, I tend to, when I do want to listen and wind down or clean the house or go on a bike ride, or just like hang and chill i i usually go toward edm because there's no lyrics and it's very transparent and it's like colors and it's like rhythms and it's beats so i can kind of dip in and out of it i think that's just kind of what i listen to generally you know if i do like a dance party one in my house that's what i'll put on you know like it's just hard for me to unless there's like like once the lyrics start it's hard you know and and like a symphony it's hard as much as i love it it, it is hard to disconnect but that's what i, I gravitate to in, in response
0: It's funny you say that because i'm a writer and so for me my experience with music is lyrics first right because i hear Mm. words are how i how i the world makes sense to me um and i was able to be to be really as when i was younger you know like 43 i I was i was (laughs) able to be like really delighted by by words now as i've as i've gotten a little bit older i've become my ear is sort of like ooh, that's a mistake there oh i wouldn't have put that word there that meters off that uh that's a that's a cliche I wouldn't have done that so I have found myself listening to EDM too because my brain that critical brain turns completely off so I uh, I'm with you on that (laughs) I've I've found that that's a much easier way for me to be a passive listener
2: yeah for sure no for 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 me it's
3: actually the op first of all I'm like completely the opposite of you I don't know the lyrics to anything I don't listen to like one lyric I'm like music like all the way but since i've been writing more um, and um, you know transcribing especially you know you're forced to really critically listen to every element you know every little hi hat you know when i'm like transcribing at a drum part i find myself listening much more intensely to like individual all the individual elements of a song and like picking them out just and 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 compartmentalizing them like so much more than i ever did before maddening Are-
0: are there sometimes where you go? Oh my God, that is incredibly impressive. How'd that person do that? I need to, like, for example, I I used to go to dinner with a friend of mine who was a chef, and the food would come and he would start take. You'd see him taking it apart in his mind of like, oh, <laughs> he does, he does. you know, and um, and he and he couldn't even hear anything I was saying because he was so engaged in what made this the way it was, and he figured it out in, in less than four seconds um do you do that to you do you do you pull it apart and kind of go oh that was really good that was impressive that de- that de-
3: definitely um and also just try and you know put some tools in the tool shed too at the same time and right. like, if i like something i try and like write it down and remember like oh i really like that element and want to start you know putting that into my own
2: work always on the hunt for new ideas
0: <laughs> always on the hunt Giacomo. are you always yeah. on the hunt is that fair
2: yeah, I think I'm I'm probably a little more of the traditionalist, I, I kind of look back, I look at a lot of the, the, like last night I was watching just a Brahms symphony with like three different conductors I really respect and I just want to see what gestures they're doing to get a certain sound or what the reaction does. And so, you know, it's a beautiful thing about YouTube and the high def of YouTube now is, is I can kind of hear and see the nuance and then try to apply it or steal it or whatever. Um, Cause I'm not, I'm not a writer like Sam is. I mean, I, I, you know, obviously I have ears and whatnot, but I don't, I don't write to the extent that he writes and does what he does. He, he kind of goes inside the music. Whereas I'm like looking at the outside bigger picture, like how can I make this work for everybody involved? So yeah, there's definitely an, uh, there's definitely a sense of like picking things apart. Um, but generally I just kind of gravitate to what's the most obvious is their voice beautiful. Um, does this song, Can I hear it in Technicolor? Can I hear it with an orchestral background? And honestly, that used to be my guidepost originally when I listened to artists and like, or at least choosing songs and we'd have discussions with artists about the song set list, you know, one of the, one of the things we'd always try to do is like show off a very diverse eclectic set or version of a set for that particular artist. But honestly, I was always a little bit selfish. We're really like, you know what? I think Sam could do some really cool things here with the woodwinds, and because the colors kind of somewhere matching, or oh, there's this synth, there's this like synth tracking here. I bet he can make some really cool stuff happen with the strings there. You know, like I, I kind of gravitate to how, would this song or collaboration work with the orchestra. And I, start, I I now I'm at the point where I almost hear it. I can almost already hear what Sam's gonna do because I know that like, he has, <laughs> <I don't> know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he has like specific you know, he has specific tools and trays that he uses that work. And like, so I'll, I'll think to myself, like, oh, this moment in the beginning, I'm sure it would sound beautiful in the woodwinds and, you know, nine times out of tens, he'll put it in the woodwinds, you know, and or this section with the strings or he'll, and then he always, we always joke, he, we call it hykenizing. He'll take something and like <laughs> add like a really wild string lick or something kind of cool and crazy to hykenize it. And then it makes it our own and makes it more new deco feel and sound. So uh I actually, I think a great example of that is mad as a hatter which is one of the songs from the newest album that was never released before it's only been on youtube and fans loved it and you know fans really appreciate that song because it speaks about you know mental illness and and really difficult things that you know the girls have had on their journey which we've all had and shared you know different versions of that however sam did some amazing work on the outro really kind of like redefined what the song is in a way and and it and it just you know and 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 to me I feel like he he made it more new deco as much as it is a Larkin Poe song and now it now it really feels like this this true two uh, artist concept into one if I'm making any sense right now I'm starting to lose my words a little bit but like I, I feel like he turned that into something more than what it originally was and whether it's more beautiful than another version it's subjective but I think he made it more new deco Lock and Poe collaboration as a unit, like as a thing, rather than here's a song that we're backing up. You know, like make it a real collaborative new piece of art.
0: Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And I and I also think that you even when you are cleaning the house and you have EDM on and your and your critical brain you think is <laughs> off, I'll bet you it's not really off. I'll bet, I'll bet there's no, some consciousness that so you're picking a up bit. on.
2: Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. What I like about the EDM is it's layered, you know, there isn't like this distinct, like when the, when a verse comes in and then a chorus comes in and verse two comes in and then a chorus and then an outro, it's like very clear. EDM, you don't know. Sometimes a song is five minutes, eight minutes, and it just goes through dips and turns. And, you know, And I I find that just kind of like subtly interesting, but I don't have to invest too much either.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Um, before I let you guys go, what so what is the next thing? What's, what's on the agenda? What's happening next for you guys?
3: Releases, videos, concerts, just ex- expanding our mission any way we can.
0: Well, it's clearly working and you guys are reaching people. I think what you're doing is so exciting. And um, I was really looking forward to talking to you guys. I appreciate you taking the time to do this. I hope you'll come back on and talk again. Love to.
2: Love to. And, you know, as a, one podcaster to the next, I know how hard it is. I know how difficult they are to edit and get out and put out. I, I, it's time consuming. So uh, I, uh, I appreciate your time and, and choosing us because it's no small thing to like take these things and redo them and put them out to the world. So I, I can really appreciate it. I know. I
0: know. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it, is, it is a thing. And what is your podcast? I want to I follow you guys as well. Is it?
2: Sure. It's New Deco Unfiltered. Okay. Um, and we do deep dives with our artists. You know, much like you're doing with me and, and Sam, we 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 generally connect with our artists post-show and talk about the collaboration, talk about their inspiration, talk about their lives, how they got into music, what they do, why they do it, what inspires them, who inspired them, um, take a little peek behind the arrangements, the the concerts that we do. We play some music on the podcast as well to kind of, you know, maybe tease out an upcoming album. I actually think our Larkin Poe podcast is one of the strongest ones we've had um, not only because they're just so poised and, and, and brilliant and, and communicating who they are and their authenticity, but I we really got to deep, dive deep on like the arrangements and the collaboration and went into different songs. And it was really cool. So like, that's kind of, you know, it's another added benefit of content that we want to share with the world that allows people who want to engage with us deeper and further to get to know more about who it is we collaborate with and ourselves. Our first podcast was Sam. It's still... Besides Luck and Poe, it's the most downloaded podcast of them all, you know, because huh. I finally got to take a, a peek behind, you know, Sam's process and what it's like to be not only a writer and arranger for New Deco, but to be a leader. He's the CEO as well. And he's also an artistic director. You know, we all wear like a lot of hats, but he's wearing the most. And so I think it's just interesting to see, like, if you really care about the ensemble and you really love what we do, and maybe even if you're in music or not in music, just to kind of dive deep into what it is we're trying to you know do with these artists and, and then we get to flesh it out and it's it's really exciting. I've learned so much. I mean I know you probably have just grown tremendously having conversations with really smart, brilliant people. Like I have too and I'm like I'm like addicted to it. I want to have more. It's just the editing part is so ah it takes yeah. so long, you know.
0: Yeah no I know so I know yeah. I know. Yeah it's all it all feels to me like it's one big conversation about the creative process which has been incredibly insightful and very helpful and um i find myself quoting my podcast when i'm teaching and i'm like yeah that's that's a weird sense of of like uh, self-promotion i'm like you know my podcast that's thinking my students are like yeah fuck off but uh <laughs> but I, I there are things that it gets said bro. i'm like these are really important principles to advance to college students about writing because these things are these you know you guys are pros and you know what you're talking about and um you know, it's, it's been incredibly helpful for me as a writer as well. So no, I, lo- I love it. I, I'm with you. I could do it every day, all day. So um, yeah. Yeah, awesome. yeah, So I hope you guys come back on. What, what a blast to meet you. I'm, I'm so glad to uh, had a chance to chat with you guys. And, and I appreciate you taking the time.
2: Thanks, Alex. Really great to meet you, man. Thank you.
0: Guys are great. Yakimo and Sam from New Deco Ensemble. Get on board. New Deco.org. N U, by the way, not N E W. N U Deco.org. Alex Green Online.com is where you need to go to find out what's happening with me. BombshellRadio.com will take you to the home of our radio station. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, at Embers Editor is how you do that, on Instagram, at Embers Podcast, or just email me, editor, at StereoEmbersMagazine.com. Stereo Embers, the podcast, is available on all podcast platforms. Go to the one that you use, subscribe, rate and review, tell all your friends. We would appreciate it. Thank you, as always, for listening to our program. Let's close the show with a longer listen to Sometimes by Larkin Poe and New Deco Ensemble. Enjoy it, and I'll see you next time right here on Stereo Embers the Podcast, only on Bombshell Radio. One,
1: two... One, two, three, hey I went down yonder Sometime I'm living with the law Sometime bound for glory Sometime we're gonna see it all Sometime just get on board Sometime I'm gonna fill my sack Sometime I tell my honey come back Sometime I'm gonna rap that jack. Sometime no time wasting. Sometime they come and get your fill. Sometime no time wasting. Sometime they come and get your fill. Sometime we're down yonder. Sometime we're gonna drag that saw. Sometimes, go to carries. Sometimes, don't you hear me, huh? Sometimes, just get on board. Sometimes, I'm gonna build that stack. Sometimes, I'll show to come back. Sometimes, I'm gonna rap that jack. Sometimes, no time wasting. Sometimes, i come and get your fill. Sometimes, no time wasting. Sometimes, i come and get your fill. Sometimes, no time wasting. Sometimes, i come and get your fill. Sometime, no Sometimes no time wasting. Sometimes they come and get your fill. Sometimes try your patience. Sometimes but don't you just sit still? Sometimes no more waiting. Sometimes you gotta climb that hill. Sometimes changes making. Sometimes you gotta pay that bill. Sometimes no time wasting. Sometimes no time wasting. Sometimes. I